0: Let's have a look. Are we all ready to get going again? Great. Okay. So we're talking about spiritual realities, and I'm sure there'll be lots of questions. So we'll have to have a time. Perhaps we'd have a time straight after lunch and we'll just have a few questions to interact. So if things come up, just jot them down, and then we'll interact over them a little bit later. Uh, because when it comes to the outworking of this, of course, when there's every kind of circumstance and situation you can imagine, and uh, so. Uh, we'll look and see if we can help you. Some of you will already have experiences and, uh, and that will be uh, of help for others as well. So let's have a look now in uh, section 4 on exercising authority in your personal life. And uh, there's quite a lot could be said around this area, so I've focused on some aspects of it, but uh, let's look at it. The first place to gain dominion is yourself. In Ephesians 4 and verse 27, uh, it says, uh, uh, in verse 26, don't be angry. Uh, don't let the sun go down on your ang- be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Uh, neither give place to the devil. So it's talking firstly to believers, and it's clearly possible for believers to get angry and sinfully angry. Just as well, it's also possible for a believer to give place to the devil. And the word "place" is a, is a Greek word, "topos," meaning an opportunity, a foothold, or a legal ground or right so he 's saying to believers don 't give the devil legal footholds into your life don 't give them a ground in which they can access your life. So the first place you 've got to get the victories in your own life, and it helps if you can recognize some of the strategies that demonic spirits use to manipulate and close your life and to identify any gates or doors now Some of this material starts to move towards the area of deliverance And I don't want to make this a a ministry session on deliverance Or a whole major teaching around deliverance But I have observed in the past that when you start to stand up And speak into the spirit world If there are footholds in your life They quickly begin to (laughs) manifest (laughs) So I have noticed that if you have legal areas or doorways open in your life Where spirits are operative that when you start to engage speaking into the spirit world, uh, it pushes back on you temporarily, just temporarily, to see whether you really actually will stand up or not, and so I have observed at times, so for example I got up and for a season there I was regularly every day beginning to command my day, so I'd rise and speak in the spirit. I begin to speak now. I command every aspect of my day to come into alignment with God's will for my life. I speak over every aspect of my day to fully align with what God has purposed for me. I take authority over every assignment. I begin to speak and break things well, I found I did that for about three days, and then I had a lot of trouble, and, uh, and uh, I found that there was a lot of pressure around my mind and emotions, and it was like a discouragement to stop praying that way. And so I've observed with working in exercising your spiritual authority that the most common experiences people have initially are that there's a little bit of turmoil, pressure comes around you, or conflicts come in that area you're praying into, so because this was a personal area, the pressure came around me personally in prayer, and I kind of felt like quitting after a couple of three days at it, I felt like giving up, and I thought, whoa, this is getting hard, but it was actually just a spiritual pressure. I had to keep working against, and I had to look and see if there are any grounds or reasons that that pressure had a right to stay there and put that right. I have found when people have prayed into marriages, sometimes the initial thing that happens is turmoil takes place, but then problems come out to the open, and you can then talk things through healing, resolution, and new ways of living together can take place. In the workplace, sometimes the initial outcome of praying is uh, greater turmoil than ever, but again if you'll just keep up the pressure, it shifts and aligns with the Word of God Remember it says by faith we understand the world that we see was framed, or set in place, or ordered and created by the words that God spoke So we have power to speak and frame up our world to align with what God wants It doesn't absolve us from engaging and doing things, but This is an incredible, important part of speaking the Word of God. So in 4.2, spirits try to make you ineffective. Uh, In 2 Corinthians uh, 2 verse 11, Paul said, uh, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. So although at the cross, Jesus uh, legally or took the legal rights of Satan away for practical operating purposes, he still operates unhindered because people don't know that. Once you know what Jesus has accomplished and believe and stand on it, then the devil loses ground immediately before you, but uh, he does have his devices, he does have his ways, and he does work on people's life. and uh, it's when you start to pray, you start to see it. Uh, he said, unless Satan should take advantage, the word advantage means to defraud, take what belongs to another by deceit. So he's saying demonic spirits will try to take what God uh, has planned for you by Manipulating your thoughts, your mind, your emotions So you don't realize what's going on That's why we do need relationships People can talk into our life and say Hey listen, I'm a bit concerned about what's happening I can see this We all need that, not not go it alone Uh, We're not ignorant or without any kind of knowledge or information About uh, the devices of the devil So here's an interesting verse here in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 uh, Jesus says he made you alive who are dead in trespass and sin and who once walked in the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the year that spirit who now works in the sons of disobedient so he's saying this is what your life was and he's saying that when we were in the world and living without Christ it said evil spirits could work in our life and the word work there is the word Energeo, from which we get energetic or energy, and it means to be operative, to energize. Or you put it this way, the way spirits operate is they create negative spiritual energy in your life. They energize things that are already there, so they become difficult to overcome, or they bring pressure on you, and it's a very real pressure, a very real energy. And uh in Acts ten thirty eight it tells us that. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost, to, uh, and it says to heal all who are oppressed or held down by the devil, so if evil spirits are operating, you feel pressure or you feel strong energy inside trying to move you or manipulate you, so for example, if you're in the grip of temptation, it's like your whole inner being is energised, it's like your mind and thoughts get captured by this thing. Uh, if anger is starting to flood your soul, it's like a, a huge amount of energy inside you that rises up, and demons manipulate that, so the word that's commonly used to describe the activity of demons is that they energise problems in your life, or, or they bring to life and give power to things inside you. Now, likewise, it tells us that God also does that. He, he energises but he energises us to do good, and the Bible also tells us that the word of God works mightily in you who believe, so God's word energises us, the spirit of God energises us uh, but also demons energise us, so we see that our, uh, our inner life can be energised either negatively by demonic spirits or positively by the spirit and word of God and uh, so there are common areas that demons attack, it helps if you're just aware of it uh, in the body with addictions and sicknesses or weaknesses or weariness. Uh, in the soul, with conflicts and emotional turmoil, uh, uh, feelings and that rage out of control, uh, accusations or condemnation in the mind, pressures of temptation that seem so real and powerful. And when you're in the the grip of temptation, God seems so far away, and the temptation seems so very real. But once you've resisted it, the energy of it dies down. So, some of you may have um, can you can you remember a time? when you were going through an immense spiritual conflict, how much energy it took inside to overcome it. It's like it's real energy that's there, and then after it subsided, it's like you're back at peace and at rest again. So there was a real energy almost took over and took all your thinking and emotional and spiritual effort to get over it. Uh, 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 heavy uh, Spirits can come around and bring heaviness and bring oppression, passivity These are common sort of things that spirits bring So if you notice some of those things happening You can identify perhaps there is a spiritual pressure around me They they come on uh, finances uh, I There was a season when we were establishing the church here Where we had accident after accident after accident We had financial difficulties and pressures and setbacks one after the other And it became really distressing until God spoke to me what it was about and I was able to stand up and assert spiritual authority against it, and from that point on uh, it changed, and uh, then it just subsided, and we went without any insurance claim for years, but prior to that I'd been turned down from a company because we had so many. It was just in the season when there was spiritual conflict I had all of these problems happen, Uh, difficulties in in your circumstances, like we talked with, uh, Sergeant was sharing with you last night. Just even trying to get the notes out, the machine violently resisted printing. You put anything else in, it prints it. You put this in, it won't print it. Last time, (laughs) last seminar we did, I remembered after we talked, uh, he put it in and we got the notes out, and it's printed only the odd pages, every even pages is not printed. Now it's never done that before, I just did that on that seminar, it's never done it before, never did it since, I just did it for that seminar, so these are the kinds of things you get setbacks and they create irritations, you've got to learn how to rest in God and just find a place of peace in the middle of it and assert your authority, so demonic spirits can bring these pressures around. When I go to Asia, I have all kinds of things happen over there, one of the churches tries to look after me very well, but they, they, they know from experience that things tend to go wrong when I go there, and uh, they, they, so they had a car, <laughs> They put this lovely car they put outside to pick me up from the hotel. When it got to the car, it wouldn't start, so they've got this nice car, and it's just shut down and won't work outside, and, and we're talking about a nice hotel, and it's on the main street of Singapore, and the church car. Is broken down right there at the gates. And they were very embarrassing for them. They really got so embarrassed. So they rang up for the spare car. The spare car's got a flat tire. So it's like they were so, so sorry, so sorry. So next year they they they, made, they remembered the experience. They went, to really do this right. So they got an Audi and uh, they had it all serviced the week before I went there and I get there and their heads hanging. <laughs> said, we're so sorry about the air con. I said, What's about the aircon? He said, Well Something happened with the window of the carts just dropped down. We've never seen, we've no idea why. And now there's no aircon. And, and they took it to the, they took it to the firm and the firm says we've never ever in all our cars in all the world had that trouble. And they said it doesn't happen to this kind of car. So they fixed it for nothing. But it's just, we had lots of things like that. All kinds of stuff. So, so the spirit world is very real. And if you start to come alive in spiritual things, you will, Experience things that you had not perhaps experienced before Which are not so explainable by natural means But they can be explained if there's energy And something reacting from the spirit world against you So he's got to learn to step up against it Hallelujah you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me Arise inside and speak the word of God over your circumstances Make it back down You'll Learn to do that, get some toughness inside you and <laughs> However, it also helps if you close down some of the gates of your past And again, there's not a deliverance conference so, But it doesn't hurt that we talk about these things Because uh, we will do, teach on deliverance at a later time in the year at another seminar So uh, to close the spiritual gates is very simply A gate is a portal through which something goes uh, A gate gives you entrance from one place to another One room to another And uh, there are spiritual gates uh places where demons can move from the spirit world and manifest in the natural world so we can have gates i don't know whether you realize it but you are a gate you're a gate for god to enter this world think about that the first revelation that i uh, that um that uh that isaac had when he when he was the um jacob had rather was this is the house of god this is the gate to heaven so the house of god is a gate so you are a gate through which the blessing of God can reach people, and, uh, and, uh, so, but also there can be gates in our life through which demonic spirits enter and access, and of course you wouldn't necessarily be aware of it, you would just think, but this is me, I've always been like this, and when you get into fellowship with spirit-filled people, then pretty soon you start to become aware of those areas that you've got some problems. So there's a number of them, I'm not going to teach on all of them, I just want to just highlight them. But there are common. There's a number of common gates that spirits use to come in uh, and to oppress people. Uh, Wherever there's a legal ground or right exists, spirits can come in and operate against you and bring pressure on your life. And uh, here's here's some of the common gates that uh, spirits deploy or use. Now remember, it's a legal ground, so it's something that someone has said or done that created. A right or an opportunity for a spirit to use it to come in and out And uh, Jesus taught that demons come in and out of people Because they have a right or an access to do so So here they are, some of you will be very aware of these Some of you, these may be uh, some new things But they're listed there with a little bit of explanation uh, And they're not entirely full list, but it's some major ones Number one, generational sins and curses Uh, Some of the gateways to spirits and problems in our life began in our family, with our parents or grandparents or great-grandparents or beyond that, and this is a major source of problems. So you can be born into this life already with demonic access points into your life, and they may start from very young, or they may uh, manifest as you grow or come into adulthood, and uh, some curses can be passed down three to four generations, some can be passed down to be sexual sins of a, of a ten generations, and uh, so every one of us is connected in our DNA to the generation that went before, and spiritually we're also connected to the generation that went before. So anything that gained access, say through idolatry or spiritism or sexual sin or or, or various uh, things that people have done, if it's gained access into the into the family line, it will come down generation after generation. And uh, this is so. Some family lines are terribly weakened because of a pattern of sin that's been there over years—patterns of alcoholism, or um, gambling, or uh, lust, or uh, sexual perversion. These things, once they get into a family, can affect. One of the most dramatic cases that—and uh, I've seen lots of them over court. I'll just tell you this one. I prayed for a lady in a city in New Zealand, and uh, she's a Christian worker, and she said, "I am tormented." with these problems of uh, unclean images and pictures, and I'm tormented in my mind all the time. And I said, how long has it been like then? She said, all my life. And I said to her, well, you know, have you been molested or exposed to anything that would have created a trauma in your life? No. She said, none of those. So I thought, well, it has to be generational. So I said, well, what's in your life has come, obviously, from the previous generation. She said, well, parents were... Uh, she said she began to asked about the background and the grandparents were missionaries in China in the 30s, and they had taken, they had a son and a daughter, and they'd taken their family to live in China, and they were missionaries in a particular province of China, and the son and the daughter went to school in another province of China, and uh, the girl and the boy were somewhere around about 10, 11, 12, about that age group as far as I remember, but the Japanese invaded China, the, that, that part of China and took over and conquered that province and, kid- and, and, and took the kids into custody, and over a period of time the girl was quite badly sexually abused by Japanese soldiers. Eventually the, uh, the kids were released and went back to their parents, but already the damage had been done, and uh, so the family I think maybe returned uh, back to New Zealand, and so the, the, the young girl and her brother grew up. The girl married, and the girl who married was this woman's mother. And the marriage didn't last, the marriage broke up, and uh, so eventually this girl who had been born uh, grew up and served the Lord, and this is the, she'd come to me for this help So what we did was we just acknowledged that it's most likely that the reason she was tormented was because of a generational curse into the family line through the sexual abuse So we got her on behalf of her family to forgive the Japanese soldiers for what they had done to hold the cross of Christ between her and the family line, and just to cancel all the, the things that had taken place. We did that and prayed. She had a massive deliverance, and she was completely freed. She, to this day, as far as I'm aware, has never had a problem with those tormenting things coming into her mind. They were of a spiritual nature, and by asserting authority and dealing with the legal rights, she was able to be set free of this tormenting spirit. Very, very powerful. Very powerful. And so There are lots of stories like that, so you have authority to renounce and to cancel every generational curse operating around your life. You have the authority to act as a representative of the family, and to stop those things happening. Sometimes we need ministry from others, but there's an amazing amount you can do yourself, and so this seminar is about you being empowered rather than being dependent, however there are issues in our life, sometimes we just need to open up to someone else and have them pray for us, but uh, so dealing with a generational sin really does re- involve acting as a representative of the family, Father I come to you in Jesus' name, I confess the sins of my family, we have been involved in this and this and this, and also I have done these things too, so we, we bring it to the cross, you've got to come to the cross, and when we bring it to the cross, now Lord I ask for your forgiveness and I receive that forgiveness, So sin has to be addressed. We've got to bring it to the cross through confession. If We confess our sins He's faithful and just to forgive us. It's quite simply done. Now in Jesus' name, I renounce every generational curse. I break the power of all agreements and attachments that have been formed in my family line. I hold the cross of Christ between me and my family line. I forgive those who have been involved in these things, and now I claim freedom and I'll show you just simply in the latter part of the study just how you can simply deliver yourself Not very hard, might like to try it sometime it's quite, quite convenient, quite easy to be able to deliver yourself Just a matter of rising in your spirit, take authority and, and deal with the sin and command the things to go So uh, another area related to generational sins and curses is, dedica- is the issue of dedications Baby dedications are very common in cultures which are idol- idolatry, so they'll dedicate the child to an idol dedicate the child to a temple, and when doing so, the parents, because they have authority over the child, give authority to a demon to enter their child, and so that right, that legal right has to be broken and cancelled, Father in Jesus' name, I renounce every word spoken over me that dedicated my life to an idol or a temple, I cancel that dedication, I break the agreement with that idol and temple, I break the soul tie attaching me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you, Satan, go from my life. So it, it, these things are not very hard, but it's, it's actually quite a simple thing to break them, but you just need to be aware that they're there. We had, uh, I was in one meeting one night in, uh, in Singapore. A lady came in, and uh, she had a massive deliverance, and she came up afterwards and told Joy, I was prayed for and dedicated to a, a temple when I was a little girl, and I've been tormented all my life. She said, I've been crying out to God to set me free, and the Lord spoke to her and said go to this particular church City Harvest, go to this particular meeting, because uh, there will be someone there who can help you, and she came in, and we were teaching on the stuff, and she came and got set free that night, so she spoke to Joy, and Joy I think might have prayed for her, and got her set free. So dedications uh, give a legal right to spirits to enter, ungodly soul ties. A soul tie is an attachment or bonding between people and uh, people can be bonded together, and it can be a very positive thing. Uh, God decreed that Adam and Eve, through sexual intercourse, two would become one, so soul ties can be formed through sexual relationship, bringing the two so they become one, they become one in flesh. In this particular scripture here, it says in Genesis thirty-four, 34.3, uh, it says that the daughter of uh, Jacob, Dinah, uh, she was uh, raped by this guy and his soul tie, he, he was bonded or became bonded to this, uh, this girl, uh, so a soul tie is a bonding and it can be very good, it can be husband and wife, a bonding in marriage, parents and children very good, uh, it can be also in church, so, but they can also be quite negative, so when a person uh, has sexual sin, they're bonded to each sexual partner, a person involved in idolatry, they're soul tied to the idol, a person had a traumatic experience, often they're soul tied to the trauma. Uh, a parent is in a controlling relationship, uh, a person's in a controlling relationship, often they're soul tied to the controller. Uh, someone abuses them violently, physically, or verbally, or emotionally, often the person becomes soul tied and bonded to the controller, or the abusive person. So, soul ties also, these bondings, create a ground through which spirits come in and manipulate. We have had many people become free of terrible tormenting unclean thoughts, when soul ties to sexual partners were broken, the power of the thing seemed to dissipate, and yes, they could remember, but it's not the driving energy tormenting their mind and emotions, so demonic spirits use these. They also use ungodly beliefs. Uh, What you believe is, very. the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart or believes in his heart, that's how he is. If you believe a lie, you are in agreement with the demon already, if you believe a lie You know, the Bible says the devil's the father of lies So if I believe a lie, for example, I believe a lie that uh, I'm a failure, everything I do will fail, then now I I, I have got an expectation in my heart that whatever I do is not going to work out, and the more I fail, the more hurt I get and bitter I get, until my whole life is is surrounded by an atmosphere of expectation. I will fail or be rejected. And when you uh, let me give you an example of that, have you ever had an experience where someone's talk with you, and, and there's something about them you just can't wait to get away? It's just, you just don't want to be there. And you just kind of want to get away. It can even be even a small child. and There's something about them. I know they're so demanding or something. And it's almost like you just you just want to get away from the child. Uh, And usually what's happening there is there's a deep, there's a spirit around the child's life of rejection and a deep expectation they'll be rejected. And it's almost like they project it out. And you feel, you get defiled by that thing. And so ungodly beliefs or lies in our heart create a great, they create a, a platform for spirits to affect our relationships immensely. Okay, another one is vows, whether they be external or inner vows. A vow, you make a commitment or a pledge or a a promise, There can be ancestral vows of course that people make, personal vows open up the door for demons, many many times they take the form of of an inner vow, Uh, inner vows are vows formed in the times of pain or a very difficult experience like a person who's abused by a man, she may say well I'll never let any man near me, or I'll never let any person or any male get near me and have access to me like that. So an inner vow creates, it's like it's something, it's a vow rooted in bitterness and judgment. Now that creates a legal ground for a spirit to enter. I prayed for one woman who continually miscarried baby boys, and she had made an inner vow, I'll never carry a male child, and it outworked in her body, and her body rejected every child that she had that was a male. So inner vows are very, very powerful things, and people form them when they're hurt or they, they a person who goes through, um, for example, their family is very financially hard up, and so they perhaps are having to wear second-hand clothes, and, and, and they don't have the things at school that everyone else has, and they go through humiliating experience at school, they can often make a different kind of an avow, well, when I grow up, I'll always have enough money. And so the life becomes driven by this bitterness inside and this inner vow, and it's driven, but there's never enough, because at the same time they believe in their heart, there's never enough for me, so they're driven by the belief there's never enough for me, and driven by an inner vow, I'll make sure I've got enough, and their whole life gets into a a, a, a pressure to get money, and it can never be solved, because no matter what they've got, it's never enough. I can remember one particular couple now eventually their marriage broke up, but he he was worth millions, but he was still driven, totally driven, and his heart was shut down, and it went right back to his uh, childhood, where he would suffered uh, great loss and made these inner vows, well I'll never lack, and I will do this, and of course those inner vows become demonically energised, and the person becomes driven, and you can't a rational person will look and say, but you've got everything you need, why are you still working like that 24-7, you know, why are you doing that? And they can't explain it, and the explanation's not rational, it's spiritual, that a spirit has gained access and has authority in their life and is driving the behaviour, so you need to be aware of this for your own life as well as in the area of ministering to others. And These things, in order for the person to be healed, they've got to actually Go back and remember and let the Holy Spirit show them where these vows were formed, and renounce the vow, because it will control your life through demonic empowerment. Uh, another area that is common for demonic spirits to afflict people are word curses, uh, curses, words spoken over a person's life. For example, uh, 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 words spoken by a father have great potential to empower a child or to curse them. I can remember one girl we prayed for, it was heartbreaking, I got so upset when I heard it, but her father, you know, she's just a teenager and she, had, she was just experimenting with dress and trying to get attention and stuff, and so she dressed you know, a little bit promiscuously and her father called her a slut, and he, he literally labelled her that more than once, and she thought well if that's what I am I'll go be that, and, she did, and now she was actually no intention of being promiscuous whatsoever. But the father's words over her and her, they became like a cursing on her when she accepted them and then she acted out or lived out what had been spoken over her. So I have found many people have had uh, curses put over them, either curse themselves, uh, uh, I'm a failure, I'll never get anywhere in life, those kinds of things, or uh, a common kind of uh, cursing as a death wish, I just wish I were dead, you know, I just. Hate my life, I wish I was dead. Those kinds of things can be spoken out in an emotional time as a teenage, and then open the way for a spirit to come in and bring bondage so it 's help and then finally, the last one there is the area of sin habits where people just get locked into patterns of repeated sin, and so it could be anger, it could be uh, unforgiveness or bitterness, it could be hatred, jealousy. people get locked into patterns of sin, and spirits then will enter and energise it so it becomes quite a problem to get free of Now here's the deal You've got authority to break any of those bondages You can do it You can minister to others and set them free You can minister even in your own life uh, to set, set yourself free, which we'll share in just a moment So how do you need to deal with these gates? How do we shut the gates down? Now suppose these are gates in your own life Be open to the possibility you may need someone to help you It's not always just about praying for yourself, sometimes we need to submit and just let someone else pray for us, Uh, but here it is, pray strongly in tongues, the first thing is get energized, let the life of God begin to flow in you like a river, this is a big start, now listen for the Holy Ghost to show you what you need to be praying for, and then you need to speak words from your spirit, so these are the kinds of things, now speaking strongly doesn't mean speaking loud. You see, I can speak strongly from my spirit, because I'm purposefully speaking strong words I command you in Jesus' name, and speak strongly It doesn't have to be loud, so people think, and what they do is they substitute speaking from your heart with authority for speaking loudly, and they make a lot of noise, but it's like empty words with no substance in it, so speaking with authority, speak in Jesus' name and so uh, here's some things that you could do that would break the power of uh, of holds over your life. Uh, one would be just to repent, Lord, forgive me, I just confess to you, Lord, that I have done this, I have said this, I have acted in this way. Always we need to just confess sin and deal with sin, we've got to get it to the cross. Uh, if there are people who have hurt us or we have unforgiveness, we have to let that go. Unforgiveness locks our life up. It's a, it's a doorway for demons, Jesus said Matthew 18. Uh, and then renounce, or speak, or cancel any curses. So if I wanted to cancel a curse over my life generationally, Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess Jesus Christ as my Saviour and Lord. I'm redeemed by his blood. I'm redeemed body, soul, and spirit. I belong to you. Now that's positioning myself. I found in all moving in authority, just get positioned right. Father, I come to you, and I stand before you, and, and standing before God and opening the heart and declaring who we are it 's a great way to start and then well, Father, I just confess to you the sin of our family that we have been involved in Freemasonry we 've made agreements and covenants with idols and demons, and grieved your heart. Lord, I renounce this curse and all agreements made with Freemasonry, at every level of Freemasonry. I renounce the curses made, my father's side of the family, my mother's side of the family. I cancel them now, and I hold the cross of Christ between my family line and those things. I refuse them today. Now, in fact, actually in my family line there has been Freemasonry. I had to get rid of some of the regalia and discover some of the effects of Freemasonry, uh, emotional difficulties, difficulties in loving women. Uh, all kinds of difficulties that were in the Freemasonry background, spiritual turmoils and conflicts, and sickness. And so, in renouncing those things now, in Jesus' name, I release forgiveness to every family member who has opened the doorway for these things. Now, in Jesus' name, I command you to go from my life. So, some things I've had to just deliver myself. On well, that heart, just pray and energize your spirit, go through the step by step process of dealing with the legal right. And commanding the spirit to go, and then just cough and begin to just allow the thing to come out. You'd be quite surprised when you do it. What sorts of things begin to happen? It <laughs> can start off with a little cough by faith and end up with a coughing fit. <laughs> okay, whoa! What just left? <laughs> I don't care. Just is gone. That's the main thing. Begin to worship God. <laughs> okay. So. So you can do, you can deliver yourself. It's not so hard. And I've given, I've got a section there just a little bit on the whole area of self-deliverance. We'll touch that in a moment. So why don't we just uh, just stop at that point, and uh, perhaps some of you may want to ask some things just about where we're at on that that point, and then we'll go on and just look at two sections in this on uh, and the final two sections in this part, which is on recognizing spiritual attacks and just how to deliver yourself. So why don't we just stop for a moment, and some of you may just have a few questions you wanted to ask. Either about the last session on spiritual authority, or on this session, just to re- related to just some of these gateways and doorways. Yes. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, i was just wondering: is it possible to break dedications that were made um, to people's spirits, but like, um, if you're aware that they were maybe dedicated, you know, your parents or your couple, your family life were dedicated um, to, uh, to a temple or to a god? Right. Well we are responsible can do something for our own life, so, and then those who are um, after us we, we have no rights over our parents, and they're, see we have no rights there, all we can do is pray and stand against the influence and pray and, and rebuke that uh, whole spiritual area and, uh, and, and ask the Holy Ghost to release light into them, so open their eyes to see so the, if you have been dedicated or your children have been dedicated, you have rights there to be able to exercise authority. When it comes to your parents, the, the relationship is one of parents to child, so you have no authority over their life except one of influence. So you can speak and, uh, and command the disempowering of generational spirits, and, but you've also got to pray that God would open their eyes to see. They have to choose for themselves to do that. I think we can stand as an ambassador on behalf, and speak into those things, but let the Holy Spirit help you in that Okay, someone else, yeah, uh, yes Sure, yes, I think the more specific we can be, the better that is, and so to locate the generational sin have a look at patterns that appear in the family. Uh, so you would ask. First of all, you just begin to pray in the spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the thing to you. Have a look at patterns in your family. One of the first places you see them is patterns in the family. But sometimes it only comes by revelation, and uh, we can get the Holy Spirit can reveal the thing to us. Uh, some people pray and command the demons to reveal it, and the thoughts come up to the mind. Uh, but it's it's better that there be specific prayer rather than general prayer. Specific prayer has specific results. General prayer often is ineffective. So I think it's a good place to start, but uh I think it's better that we actually ask the Holy Ghost to help us identify what the specific issue is. That would be better. Okay? Yes. Oh sorry, yes? Yes. You're not to about God speak right. And it's right. Okay, so that's the classic thing that we said before. You know that you have to uh, we know Jesus calls us to reveal himself. So, we're called to preach the gospel. Uh, yet, you have an employment situation where, if not explicitly, implicitly, you're not to speak about Jesus. It's to be a secular education. So, you would break the employment contract if you start to preach the gospel in your classroom. So, that's the dilemma. God says to do this, the authorities say to do this. Where do I stand? I think number one is your hard attitude, is not to be in, in rebellion against uh, authorities, but to be. Uh, cooperative with the intention of it all I think number two you can speak and take authority over the spiritual atmosphere in the classroom and release things I had many kids come to Christ in my classroom but I didn't necessarily talk to them about Jesus in the classroom but many came we had many kids come to Christ a whole heap of them because the Holy Ghost so shifted the atmosphere they just wanted to come and talk want to connect want to hang out and then hanging out they want to ask things so you talk about stuff then and you can talk. So I, I don't think uh, often I spoke openly about Jesus in the classroom. Uh, but what I did do when it came to the area of teaching around sexuality, I was quite blatant. I was quite blunt about the Christian perspective on it, and that was quite an interesting thing for them all. I thought, well, I thought they're getting junk. I'm going to give another point of view because this is education, and at least they should be exposed to another point of view which is biblical and Christian and gets results. So, I did unashamedly wouldn 't have worried about that, but I think today the environments become much more difficult, so therefore, I think great wisdom is needed, or you lose you lose your credibility and then eventually lose your job and lose your ability to influence so But if someone comes and inquires or someone comes and asks, "I think there 's a lot we can do without speaking the name of Jesus. You can talk biblical values, you can talk about values, you can talk about the conflict of values you can talk about the values which are specific for you. I think there's much we can do, and I determined I would do as much as I could, uh, because everyone else was blatant about what they were doing. And so I thought, if someone comes and says you can't do that, I'm sorry. I didn't realise that. Thank you very much for pointing that out, and then I'd be a little wiser in the future. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, think this, I think you don't want to live under fear and intimidation. And if someone makes a complaint, you know I say, Well, I'm so sorry, you know, we were talking about values. I think to blatantly preach Jesus is a misuse of your authority as a teacher. People understand they're coming to a secular classroom to receive education, they're not expecting the teacher to talk their own personal views. However, the reality is that the life of the teacher shows up in their teaching. So whatever the person is living will show up in how they teach. So I've got no shame in saying, well, this is who I am actually I'm a Christian, I do this and I believe these things And I found that kids would ask questions Well, if they ask questions, I'll answer the question. Yes, exactly, yes yeah. So we prayed at home So I took. I used to take the line, this is my room Everything that comes in here is coming into my territory And the presence of God is in my territory That's how I took it and released the presence, and prayed for the presence of God to fill the place, and for them all to be successful. Because for a parent, they come to. I want to. They want their kids to succeed. They don't necessarily want religion. They want to succeed. They don't know how to get success. So I would say. So I, I worked one creatively to create an environment where learning was very relational, and they got success. Two to to work the spiritual atmosphere so it was quite open and accepting in there. Yeah, I seemed to get good results. Just went like that, and they were very sorry to see me go. <laughs> and I got the same results when I started up a school, and same thing happened. Again, spiritual environment, and and also uh, enabling them and empowering them to to learn properly. Mm. Yes. All right. okay, that's a good question, so there's a a struggle in a marriage that eventually broke down, and so the question is were my prayers ineffective? I think that God is the only one that can answer whether prayers were effective or not I think we tend to look at them all as being effective only in terms of getting what we expect or hope The reality is in relationships God gives everyone a free will, and if people continually resist God, there are devastating consequences that take place, no matter how faithful the Christian or the believer can be so the Bible says that the unsaved spouse, whether it be husband or uh, wife, is sanctified by the faith of the saved person, so I believe God looks at them and sees them as being one Now how do you then deal with the situation with the unsaved or the backslidden husband? I believe you stand in a place, uh, since they have failed in spiritual headship, you step up, and, off, without usurping their role, uh, step up in prayer praying to break those things around them, release blessing of God, but we have no guarantee what the outcome will be, because the outcome rests on a person's decision, and so all we can do is make the chances of it happening far greater, in other words by removing some of the spiritual pressure and releasing the atmosphere of God, but people still reject God. So Adam and Eve walked in the most perfect environment, but still made their own choice which had consequences, and God let them make the choice, but made them accountable for the consequences. So in a marriage situation, I believe the first thing is your own heart attitude. Secondly is that you stay faithful in prayer and do the part that you can, but then sometimes marriages break down because someone uh, just is resistant, and they make decisions and choices that lead to destruction. You're not responsible for those decisions or choices, and if you have prayed faithfully and stood in the gap and believed God and done the best you could, then you've done the best you could You know, if you you read the men of faith, it said some got great victories and others died in faith, you know, (laughs) so we forget the last group We just want the great hero stories of seeing it all work out But there are many people and they just stood in faith They didn't see the answer but they refused to doubt, they held on to the very end, even at the loss of their life and God calls them men of faith, so I believe if you stay in a place of faith, believing, trusting God and do all that you can, then however the outcome is, at least you can walk away honourably saying, I did all that I could, yeah, and that's how you would feel of course Yeah, And, and sometimes when you engage in this kind of prayer, issues surface which actually the whole foundations of the marriage become bare, and then the challenge is will we work to sort this out and build the better relationship, or will we not? And uh, So prayer, like I was sharing of opening up the spirit world, can expose stuff that formerly was hidden hmm. People still make their decisions, though, and sometimes they make bad decisions, you know? Yes. Yes. And no how much ministry is offered, they it, Yes. And the marriage breaks up. Does that their salvation? I think uh, that's a totally separate uh, issue. A person's salvation rests on the work Christ did and their trust in it. And it should have an outworking that their life begins to show it. So true faith actually has some outworking of a walk with God of some kind. If a person is oppressed, it means a part of their life is under the control of the enemy, which is usually their in this case the soul, so the mind and emotions. And what you don't know is what trauma the person has gone through that gave access to the spirits into their life. I know the trauma. Yeah. But they they not bound to any ministry, they were I understand that. <laughs> Of course, and that happens. So I think the issue of a person's salvation lies ultimately in the hands of God and God alone. I don't think we can ever know where people stand, and just because a person refuses to acknowledge a problem and won't receive ministry, I don't think that means they're not saved. I think it just means they're refusing to acknowledge a problem, Because, and there are many reasons people refuse to acknowledge a problem. Some, they actually intuitively know that to acknowledge it. I'm going to have to go through some terribly painful stuff to deal with it, I'd rather not acknowledge it, and some people have actually built, uh, it's almost like they dissociate inside and put the pain in a box and carry on just like nothing's ever happened, but the pain is all there, and they don't want to go there because of the pain, what that would mean to them, and in such a situation when a person stays in that kind of denial, you can't do anything until they come out of the denial. So sometimes. My experience with working with people is to to conclude that even if you can see what's wrong, until they recognise a need, they don't make a change, so the first aspects of prayer is that God would awaken their heart to see their need. Usually we try to tell a person what their need is, and they just vehemently resist, so I've sometimes changed the praying, God open their eyes so they can see. Whatever it is that's holding them back, we just stand against that and it can be just immense grief, because the first phase of grief is shock and the inability to come to grips with what it is, so I, I don't. no one really knows all of those things, but trauma and, uh, and grief, denial, and just sometimes just stubborn resistance, I won't admit I've got a need, that can come out of inner vows, I think that prayer can increase the opportunity and the, the likelihood they would open up, but it doesn't guarantee it. We still have, everyone is given a free will, so you can't override someone's free will When we override, hmm. well, uh, can God, that's a good question <laughs> Firstly, he can, or well, Paul's determined to go down the road and kill Christians And he just goes pow, and zaps him off, and he did uh, But he never overrode his will, he just gave an encounter that woken his eyes up And, and uh, he suddenly realized he's making a big mistake uh, God has given man a free will, if he takes it away by overriding it, the core of being human is taken away, so God it's seldom overrides a person's free will Free will is what makes me a human being If I don't have free will, or, or my free will is taken away, I'm a slave So God, So that's one of the dilemmas, God has created man for dominion and given him free will, but not choice over consequences so God doesn't override free will, and He has set in place consequences, and that's how He, that's how he has managed, set up the world to operate, so only by faith can we access something coming into he- from heaven to earth, but God doesn't override free will. So I think it's extraordinary that you, have the, you are given free will to the extent you can choose a, lo- a destiny that's eternally lost It's incredible that God would give so much But taking it away would so enslave you, you wouldn't be human So it's the dilemma God faced He gave man free will, but with it the potential He could just misuse it or use it to rebel, and therefore all this destruction So um, we have to be very careful we do not override the will of another person who's an adult and responsible adult To do that involves witchcraft, because witchcraft is the usurping the authority that someone else legally has, which is what they're responsible So responsibility and authority go together. So what you're responsible for, you have authority over to do certain things. If I move and take up your responsibility and minimize your authority and take over, I'm now operating outside what God has called me to do, and I've taken over. I'm operating in witchcraft, which is an unlawful authority. So um, I, I didn't put a section in, but I was thinking about it. That perhaps I should put a section in related to this because uh, unlawful spiritual authority or unlawful authority is a problem everywhere where someone has taken over and controls another person's life and the person lets them do it because it's easier for them to give up responsibility and let someone else run it. And this creates a spiritual dynamic where witchcraft operates and sits over the whole marriage or relationship. And, and, and it creates huge problems, sickness, infirmities, all kinds of things come in, and many families and marriages and churches are full of this, so when you arise and start to operate in spiritual authority, the one thing you become intensely aware of is the issue of, the, uh, of witchcraft and the whole Jezebelic operation. Um, I, I haven't included it in this, but that's a whole sort of area of its own. It's got major issues around it. Um, It can never operate unless someone gave permission for it to operate So for example, uh, God held Ahab responsible for the corruption in the nation, and he judged Ahab because Ahab gave up responsibility and allowed him to be usurped by his wife So we tend to get into this anti-woman thing and blame Jezebel for this and that, which is actually totally unfair, because uh, men and women are both capable of controlling behaviours, and the spirit is totally impartial who it works through. Uh, the issue is whether we take up responsibility or abscond or abdicate. Everywhere you abdicate, something will come in and take over. That's just the reality. So that's why I have discovered in this area, if you have abdicated responsibility for over a peri- an area of your life or responsibility. Something will sit in there, and when you arise, repent, ask God to forgive you, take up your responsibility, start to pray, you will engage and have some conflict because you 'll find then something sitting there. most people aren 't aware something sitting there till you step up and try and actually change your life, then you find it 's there, and then you find it pushes back against you, and you have some problems yeah, yeah, so yeah, it is it <laughs> yeah well that 's a great statement. We can all say amen. <laughs> all right. We'll just uh, move on. I want to have a look at uh, section 4.7, how to recognize and deal with spiritual attacks, and then just the issue of self-deliverance. Um, I think these are quite, everyone is going to go through issues of spiritual attack at some point. Now, we don't want to dramatize it and kind of be looking for demons everywhere, but there are times when pressure comes on you. It's helpful if you know what it is and know what to do about it If you don't, you'll just try to push on Spiritual problems need a spiritual solution But don't spiritualize everything Some things are very natural, very practical So uh, the dilemma you have is where people look for a devil everywhere You'll see what you want to see So let the focus of our eyes be on God and his goodness Not on the problems But having said that, uh, we do recognise that there are times when you come under immense spiritual pressure, and it is very real, and uh, it can be distressing if you don't know what to do with it. So we'll just read a verse in Revelations 12, 10, 11. Then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death So notice here it says The pressure against believers is unrelenting day and night Isn't that interesting? So notice that they are accusations So one of the things the devil wishes to do Is to accuse you continually of lacks, failures, faults, flaws To heighten your awareness of what's wrong Rather than your awareness of what God has done for you And where you stand Essentially he wants to erode your standing so you don't feel near to God, you feel just not good enough, I feel bad, I'm not good enough, nothing's good enough, and so spiritual attacks come in the form of accusations or condemnation where you feel pressured in your mind that you're not good enough. Now the devil doesn't say, you're not good enough, he'll put your mind with, I'm not good enough, I'll never be good enough, nothing I do is good enough, there's something wrong with me. And when there 's a flow of thoughts like that, they will energize any strongholds you have in your heart, but they are a flow of spiritual energy that comes in. Uh, it can be just heaviness, it can be feelings of dread, particularly when you 're facing situations where there's a lot of control in those relationships, you can come under tremendous spiritual pressure, and feel like almost like fear and anxiety, and it 's totally out of proportion to what you 're facing. Uh, uh, temptations, confusion, oppression, so some people just have a heaviness come Now I've shown you how to just lift the heaviness off quite easy But um, we must actually conquer these things So you are always responsible for the state of your life Don't go blaming anyone else, don't be the victim We're responsible So if there's something's not right, we've let it not be right Or we're on the journey of sorting it out so to overcome means to conquer, subdue, and come out victoriously So the first place you've got to conquer and subdue is around your own life And notice it says they overcame the accuser They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb That's what Jesus did on our behalf The word of their testimony, confessing to what Jesus has done And then persevering and holding on to it And uh, and uh, backing up the devil on it So whatever comes against you, you've got authority to defeat it you can defeat it and it will back up. I've learned this of demons. They will always back up once you're determined to, that you know what you're doing and you're going to keep on resisting them. They back up and then the atmosphere changes and you're free again. So how can you deal with it? In James 4-7, notice these wonderful scriptures. Submit yourself to God. Submit to, the, uh, sorry, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that word means to seek safety by running away from the danger that you present. Now, that's a good, good word to know, that the devil will flee. Now, of course, the devil's not interested in you personally. He's got really low-level evil spirits are interested in you. They just do his work. And so you're dealing now with just low-level spirits. And here's the deal. If you will align yourself with God and make a stand to resist, he will flee away in panic and terror because you've really got to him. And uh, so that's the promise And so the outcome of the demons fleeing away Is a result of two things One of you actually aligning yourself with God And two, making a stand against the devil uh, The two words are quite interesting words One is the word tasso. Hupo, to be beneath and to stand or position yourself beneath Meaning literally, position yourself right with God And then the other one is antitasso Position yourself anti whatever the devil's doing, so it's all about positioning yourself in your attitude, your thinking and in your words. So how would you go about dealing with a spiritual attack? It's helpful if you ask these kinds of questions, what am I feeling? If you can put a name on what you're feeling, you bring it out to the light. Many times we have lots of feelings swirl on, and then we think some new thoughts, and then there's more feelings, and then there's more thoughts, and before you know it, you're in a swirl of thoughts and feelings and turmoil and all in emotion. You get like that, get up and pray in tongues, I'm a shook up, I'm a. shake the thing back, and then stop and, and evaluate what you're feeling. What is it I am feeling? Try to get a name on it. Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it irritation of some kind? What am I, anxiety? What am I feeling? Then ask the question, well, what triggered that? Was something said, something someone did or didn't do? What triggered this? I wasn't feeling like that when I got up. Why am I feeling like that now? When did that change? Now, if you can just go through it, get your spirit free, first of all, and just go through this little process of asking these questions, what am I feeling? What emotions or feelings or things are going on inside me? And then what happened that has triggered that off? And then evaluate. Well, well what happened? Uh, uh, what actually happened that, that, that caused that to take place? Have I made some assumption? Have I made, had some expectation that wasn't met? Try to evaluate what's happened. You find the most common reason people get in a mess is they made an assumption. Oh, I thought you were going to do that. You didn't. And now you're in a turmoil about it at all. And then it's all building up inside, and, and the devil's just having a heyday in your life. Just stop. Well, what is it that's gone on, and try to evaluate what happened, and uh, then, then, because if you can evaluate, then you'll look at what your part was in it, and you can deal with your part in it. Then here's the things you can easily do: pray in tongues very strongly, because praying in tongues, as we've already found, energizes your spirit. I understand there are a couple of people here not free to pray in tongues. We'll like to pray for you after lunch and just to activate that part in your life. So listen, listen for promptings of the Holy Ghost, because he may show you things to pray for, and then learn to speak directly. I can remember there was a time in my life, I remember I was teaching Christian school, I remember I was having these problems, these unclean thoughts coming into my mind, and I was thinking, oh, I was feeling down because I was struggling with these thoughts, I was thinking, well what am I teaching in a Christian school, I'm struggling with these thoughts, what's going on? And the Lord dropped in he said, it's a spirit invading your mind, just rebuke it. Oh really? I never thought of that, and so I did, I just got praying in tongues and just spoke directly In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take authority over that unclean spirit I forbid you to come round my life now I thank you Lord for your presence here inside me The spirit of holiness inside me, began to pray and focus my mind on the Lord Immediately the whole thing all just never thought, and it stopped It was so quickly it stopped, I couldn't believe it I thought I'd been putting up with that stuff around my head for half the morning And here it is now, just suddenly went when I knew what to do It was a spiritual attack Which comes sometimes in the way of heavy Often heaviness is an indication something's about to happen Or is happening around you But also invading thoughts, invading emotions And so learn to speak Speak God's word over your situation Speak and reject the operation of that spirit And then begin to declare God's word over your situation Quite easy And then re-engage and do something else It's not hard what am I feeling? What triggered off that feeling? Have I done anything or anything's happened? Were there assumptions I made or someone's disappointed me? I'm trying to get an evaluation of what's happened. Is there anything I need to put right with God? Okay, get it right. And now, in Jesus' name, you're so praying tongues, stir up your spirit. In Jesus' name, I speak to that spirit. Now, here's the one thing I, I found. And I found this by experience. If you'd like to both just stand up. Just come and just stand up near me. When we tend to think of these things, just stand here, this like that. When we tend to to think of the spirit world, because we live so much in the physical world, we tend to just not be very aware or conscious how it might work. And so, what would happen was I would have these thoughts coming around me and bombarding me. You see, and for for a season, I have these terrible thoughts of rejection. You know, I just don't belong. I just, you know, not loved, and all that kind of stuff. And then it took me a little while to realize they were my thoughts and I had an issue in the heart, but actually there was a spirit of rejection was pushing against me. Just hold your hands out like that, just pushing against me, see? So I couldn't see the spirit, but I was overloaded in my mind and emotions with thoughts, and then I'd start to feel sorry for myself, and so there's another spirit, so put your hands up here. Both of you keep your hands up. So now I'm not even aware or conscious that there are spirits at that stage, all I know is. All the time, I've got this pressure pushing on me, feeling sorry for myself, and this pressure pulling on, feeling I'm not good, and not valuable, not acceptable. I couldn't work out what I was. I just struggle with it, and it was so common. I just thought it was me. And when it would come, it would come every now and then. I'd have an event, and these demons would just immediately just trigger off, come in and start pushing on me, and I'd start to, I'd go down sometimes for three days into a heaviness, into a, into a dark hole. I had no idea what it was. It never occurred to me it might be a spirit. It never occurred to me that I actually might have personal enemies. I never thought of that. <laughs> and it just never occurred to me. You know, well, the devil's sort of out there somewhere, kind of thing. You know, it, it, it wasn't reality. You read in the Bible, you know, submit to God, resist the devil. It's all sort of out there too far for me. And then I realized, keep your hand, hold your hand, So I realized. That I'd go through life, and next thing I'm running into these things, and I'm in depression for two or three days. I didn't realise there was something there, I had no idea there was a spirit that was involved, none whatsoever, until the day the Lord showed me, you need to stand up and take dominion of this part of your life. If you'll get the victory, then all your life will change. So what I did was, I would start off by beginning to pray really strongly in tongues, get fired up in the spirit, energised in the spirit, and then in my imagination I'd picture and see. There's a spirit there, the name self-pity And I'd see there's another one there, the name rejection And I would speak to them In Jesus' name, I take dominion over you I decree your power is broken over my life I reject you and refuse to yield to you And same with the spirit of rejection Hold the blood of Jesus over you right now I had no idea what the blood of Jesus did to the demons But it seemed a good idea to do it (laughs) Turns out they really don't like it I didn't know that. i found that out since. The other thing they don't like is you're praying in tongues. They absolutely hate it. I've heard them scream at me when I prayed in tongues, and so now, get this, I I pray in the spirit, get energised in the spirit, turn to this one, push against it, push against it, and then turn around, and then just begin to meditate on the truth and open my heart to embrace the truth and reject the lies. Now what I found was... now. This was the first stage of doing this and, when, and I did this for something like three weeks Get up, begin to pray in the spirit, turn to the spirit Oh, in Jesus' name, I have authority over you in Jesus' name Now, of course, they would think the next day Hey, we've been around a long time We're not going that easy yeah. So I'd wake up the next day, they're still there And I never felt any change I just did it by faith and, and then I would meditate that God is with me, I declare the truth, I'm accepted in the beloved, meditate in the truth, and, and I searched my heart for any experience of rejection so I could forgive and release blessing to those people, and I'd meditate, primarily meditate in the truth. And then one day I stood up, got into pride, just like every other day, prayed in tongues, and I pushed like that, and I pushed like that against them in the Spirit using words, and suddenly I felt the atmosphere change. I thought. I've actually just hit these things, and in case I've actually got the victory over them They've gone, they've backed up finally, and then when I began to meditate in God's presence and love for me, I just fell over because I was so touched by God, but for three weeks it had been just a journey of faith, and and then the actual experience of recognising I could feel these spirits back up, because after three weeks they realised I was not quitting And they backed up and they were gone. And I had a great space of freedom in my life for a long time. Till the next stuff came up. (laughs) You get the idea? They're not so hard to do. Now, if I was to ask you now uh, to identify what are the things that most commonly press in on you and trouble your thoughts and emotions. So that you you would say, actually. These are besetting things, they seem to sit around me all the time and push against me If you could write them down, what would they be? There's usually not many, I wrote down these ones I wrote down rejection, because I felt that I always felt not good enough And then self-rejection, because I actually rejected myself Then fear of rejection, because I actually did fear that this would happen to me And then unbelief, because I realised unbelief was undergirding all of those And finally self-pity, because I'd get in a pity party down, depressed, and so I realized there was a cluster of them just like that, and I just pushed against them and pushed against them. Stood and decreed they were subject to me; their power was broken. And I turn, meditate in the Word of God, and arise in my spirit, and it shifted. I wonder what sits around your life that you could say, "I refuse to tolerate this anymore." Now, there may be root systems in your heart, but I'm sure if you'll identify first of all what the problem is and you start to pray in and resist it, and declare the truth over your life, that many things will shift pretty quickly. Other things you may need to actually identify when it first started, how it got in there, and and be willing to acknowledge sin or acknowledge uh, unforgiveness and let it go, but it'd be great, it'd be easy to get rid of these things now. Every time they come around you, oh that's just you, in Jesus' name be gone. This is who I am. Now you'd be surprised how effective it is. Because we declare, we make confession of what God says How about that? Okay, now suppose there were some stuff there So that's how you deal with some spiritual attacks And you just end up praising the Lord and redirect your attention And there you are So now I learned that if I didn't rise and fight I could go down into a pit quite quickly And stay there for quite some time and be quite depressed And you know, sometimes all it takes is for someone to just say Come on, you're not yourself, stand up again Okay, hold on, I shack up and suddenly it's all gone. It's all gone away. You've just stood up inside and pushed the stuff back. So spiritual pressure comes and goes. It'll try and lock in where there are strongholds in your heart. Jesus said the devil comes, got nothing in me, got no hold in me. So let's just have a look if you needed to get delivered. And I want to teach you just a little bit on how you could deliver yourself so then I don't have to do it all. (laughs) It gives you empowerment to deliver yourself. And, uh, and many of us, rather than wait a whole week in torment be better if you just rose up in prayer And pushed the stuff away from you So, uh, so in, in Proverbs 6, verse 4 and 5 Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids In other words, this is a very important matter Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter And like a bird from the hand of the fowler So of course the fowler is a reference to Satan Who hunts and traps and, destro- and destroys wild birds Captures us And uh, wild animals, of course, in a snare struggle violently to get free So God says, and notice the command, deliver yourself In other words, he says, seek your own deliverance I found out, I'm surprised how many people, how many people want someone to do it all for them But actually, this is your life and you have authority over it, you do something for yourself And so what would I do? The Bible tells us that freedom is my responsibility, not someone else's Your freedom is your freedom, it's about you It's about what what you have in your life And so I have to cooperate with God And here's the key verse Submit to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you So how can I deal with some of these things and get myself free? So I have found sometimes prayer and fasting is an important part of it So if you've got an area of your life that's resistant then uh, it's in page 16 Why don't you just have a season of fasting to break through Have a season of prayer and fasting And become aware of the presence of God If there's sin in your life If there's something you've done that's wrong You do have to confess it Because that's the legal ground And so you may find there's a pressure Around the sexual area Because you've yielded uh, uh, in your mind and emotions, or embraced, or allowed your mind to wander, and in your heart there's a sin taking place, even if nothing externally has taken place, don't repent it Lord forgive me, cleanse my heart of all of these things, uh, and if there's areas where you need to forgive, sometimes we're feeling rejected because someone hurt us, instead of forgiving we sat on it, stewed on it, had actually unforgiveness sitting in the heart, and the rejection just got deeper and deeper, so whatever it is, you need to repent of it Then. Here's how you actually get the demons to go, quite simply, and I've done it a number of times myself, And, uh, and uh, I, because i found being in the role I am and doing what I do, spirits come around and harass me from time to time. I go through conflicts of various kinds, and uh, it affects me emotionally and spiritually, and I need to be set free sometimes. So I have uh, people that I can just go to, and when we get together, we'll pray, and they'll pray. If they see anything, they pray for me, and I'll pray for them, but other times, and I don't have to do it often these days. but uh, I would actually deliver myself, so how would you go about delivering yourself? Well the first part is just to recognise you've got a problem, there's something sitting there that may be not right, and then to, to, you've got to actually address the issue of sin, so I begin to pray in tongues Now if you could imagine spirit, soul and body uh, Perhaps I'll just get three people up here, it'll just help me if I get three people, just the first three here It'll just help you visualise this, alright Okay, then come on up, just stand forward here, all right, then there, just have to stand Just stand there, you don't have to do anything Come and stand here in the middle, that's right Okay, there we go, here we are, spirit So spirit, soul, body, just got you like that, spirit, soul and body Now demonic oppression is always through the body and the soul Here's the gateway here The life of God always comes through the spirit And here is where the place of conflict is, right there at the centre of your will Whose will will prevail? So this part of you here, the soul and the spirit, is called the inner man, the hidden man of the heart So sometimes when the Bible's talking about your inner man, it's talking about your spirit or it's talking about your soul and spirit When you die, your soul and spirit together go into into glory Okay then, now the flesh refers to your body and also aspects of your soul that are unredeemed And so when the Bible talks about your flesh, demon spirits access your flesh, your soul, your mind, thoughts and emotions and your body So when you're doing self-deliverance, what you must do is arise in your spirit You have to arise in your spirit You have to arise inside and flow in your spirit no matter what you're feeling Now you understand now, if she arises in a spirit by praying in tongues and energising a spirit, and makes a decision inside in the deepest part of her being, I am going to resist and I'm going to take authority over this thing then what she can do is just speak into a soul to any demon there or into a body to any demon there and command it to be expelled. It just requires a decision on the inside. So what you do then is very simply stir yourself up praying in tongues. Father, I come to you and I stand in your very presence right now. I repent of the sin that's allowed that demon to come into my life. I thank you for forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness right now. Now, Spirit, I speak to you now. Go in Jesus' name. Just command it just to go like that, and then what you can do then is just breathe out, (coughs) and what you may find is as you start to cough, it becomes quite a major thing, and you are now in a manifestation mode, and something's going out, or it can be they just go simply like that, but I know that that two important foundational parts of it are any sin is repented of, and two, you arise in your spirit and command the thing to go. And You might be very surprised, when you arise inside and command things to go, just what happens. You may have manifestations in your body, you may find yourself coughing, you may find yourself uh, heaving. I've not even known people, when they've done this, to actually just immediately start to, to, to throw up. I'm not into all of that kind of stuff. I think that the demons can go real quickly, real easy, uh, but I have noticed sometimes with me when I've prayed that way, there's been quite a coughing take place. I think, well oh, that's a lot of coughing. A lot of coughing like that, I don't worry about it, I'm not going to be condemned by it, I'm just taking authority and cleaning out the system, just very simply, sometimes just because of the trials of life, stuff sits on you, and it weighs you down, and you can arise in your spirit and command those things to go, and they will go, then as soon as you've done that, just begin to praise God, thank Him for your liberty again, just worship Him, get your mind redirected Okay, thank you very much for your help it's wonderful Alright so it's not, not such a hard thing to do Now there are some things that you would, you would need perhaps to get minister, ministry for if, it's, uh, if you can't get yourself free, certainly go see someone and ask them to help you get set free So there it is, self-deliverance you can, you can deliver yourself, and you can push away spirits that come against you Now not everything is a spirit, they just exploit what's already there So if you've got thoughts and patterns of thinking, beliefs in the heart, if you've got issues of sin, they will just exploit them. Put your heart right with God, resist the devil, the demons will flee. Amen? Amen. All right, folks. we just finished there, in the afternoon we want to have a look at a session and talk to you about how to build your spirit man and develop that inner life, and secondly we want to look at just ministering to other people, how to go about ministering and it's quite a simple process Remember that in all of the situation of ministering where you're exercising spiritual authority, it always has these ingredients One, you are arising to be in the position God's calling you to to be Two, you stir your spirit, so you're alive in your spirit Three, you speak with expectation that something's going to happen So I'll give you some things to do a little later this afternoon, and you can have a try and see what happens when you do it, and see how things go this is something you grow into You grow from level to level to level So we'll get you doing some activations And do a, two, maybe three sessions in the afternoon And uh, I'm sure you'll go away mightily empowered For new things that God has for you And Horowai, you had one question Perhaps we've got time for that uh, You mentioned before in the, in the break Would you like to just raise that question again now? So it's a very good question Right. Okay. okay, and your question was making that clear, how to make that clear Alright then, in working relationships, uh, uh, whether it be at work, whether it be in a church ministry or whether it be in family or wherever you are, the issue of boundaries defines what I'm responsible for, what you're responsible for, and in all work situations and relational situations boundaries come up to one another like that and often overlap In other words, people start to move into someone else's area of responsibility. Now, when there is good communication and when there's a loving, serving heart, it's very easy to flow like that. And we help one another and we work with one another and there's a natural flow. But it can become ungodly. And it becomes ungodly when this happens when someone deliberately picks up the responsibilities of others and they consciously let them go. So you get someone. Who's got a great, they're enabler. They actually find their identity in doing things to help everyone. Oh, I can do that. or oh, let me do that. And they, they've got, that. basically, they're driven by this need to do things to get approval. So what will happen is they'll take it all on, then they'll get angry and react because they're doing so much, and you've got a conflict because boundaries got blurred and the person's operating outside their area. Now, this is normal. This happens in life all the time. So when one person yields up their responsibility and someone takes it up, This is called blurred boundaries, and when that happens, conflicts will happen inevitably because now the territories are not being properly governed. Now it's a very simple way around it. You just talk to one another and just clarify who's responsible for what and how you're going to talk and work together. It's so simple, but if people fail to do that, then one can feel resentful because they feel they're losing power and someone else is taking over, and that is definitely unlawful. And they've actually got to step up and make, and there's a confrontation needed to bring out to the open what is happening. It doesn't need to be angry, but it can be. Uh, it, it doesn't need to turn that way, but it sometimes does. So if you have yielded up responsibility, someone's taken it over, you've got to talk and say, hey, we need to talk about our boundaries again. They've become blurred. I need to be clear what I'm responsible for, what you're responsible for, and how we're going to communicate together over those areas. Uh, It also happens if someone deliberately invades someone else's area, that becomes a problem as well So you've got to talk and negotiate that stuff But what happens is spirits use the blurred boundaries to invade and oppress That's where the problem comes Remember, don't blame the spirits on everything They, they, They know where they had work, it's actually human beings that create the problems We create their environment within which they seize an advantage to come in and to oppress Okay, Someone else had a hand up. Yes Okay, that's right. So mm-hmm. OK, so you've got two people working side by side. One person's skills uh, or attitude or whatever means they're not capable of functioning properly in the job. And so now the other person, uh, everyone's bypassing them and coming to this one. Now that's a problem. Now you see, therein lies the problem. The person who thinks they've got to do it is the one who's now become the problem. They weren't the problem originally, but they've become the problem, because they are empowering the incompetence of the other. What needs to be addressed is the incompetence of the other person. It has to be addressed, so it requires love and truth talking and an outworking of a a better way of working the responsibilities Once you bypass the system then what you do is create problems, so uh, if we've got two people, and one's incompetent the other's highly competent, and people bypass and come to the competent one, uh, then that creates a malfunction and a discretion in uh, in, in the whole flow of the relationship And then of course don't think that the one who's incompetent doesn't know what's going on either, and they will be going through all kinds of stuff They will feel something shift, they may not know what, they'll feel resentful and angry they will feel they're being eroded. They'll go through all kinds of things. And it's not sometimes because they're incompetent. It can be because they're difficult people to deal with relationally. And that also causes the transfer. People bypass them to go to where they can work relationally. And that creates problems as well. So the only way to, to deal with it is you've actually got to talk face to face about what is happening, bring it to the light. I observe. And it doesn't need to be an angry thing. You just be simply, hey, I notice. This is something that people are bypassing and going here, the effect is to undermine this situation and overload this situation. We need to have a talk about why this is happening, and we need to come up with a strategy we agree on to sort it out. If this is a skill lacking, let's talk about what skills, can we upgrade the skills, can we talk about it and work it out? If this is a relationship thing, can we talk about it and work it out? Now the easier thing is for the person who's competent to stay silent and fill in and take it all over. Now they have become a participant in the whole deal, before they were just willing, now they're actually empowering it stays and works because they're doing that, and many there's many situations like that, and usually i found no one is happy in it, no one, no one is happy, everyone knows what's going on and no one is happy and they're not happy because it's not out in the open in the light There's nothing like having things in the light, oh it is so freeing to have everything in the light, even if it's terribly painful Listen, the job you're doing, you're not doing well You're missing this and this and this and this, this is creating these problems It's better to have it out in the open than it is to have it hidden away When it's hidden away, that's when spirits work, that's when you have your mind tormented That's when all kinds of stuff goes on in the spirit world because of the blurring of boundaries Remember that these invasions of territories make room for demonic spirits to operate So where there's a situation where say a family will collapse because one person is uh, not doing their job, or a, uh, something in an organisation will collapse because someone's not doing their job, it's better to face it, long term it's better to face it and better to do it more quickly than keep it a long time. So, so we're better to face those situations rather than continue an unhappy situation, because the one who keeps doing everything will feel burdened eventually, and they will become resentful about that. And the one who's not doing it will feel uh, rejected in some kind of way, and they will, they will in the end react at some point. See, so. You find it in marriages where the man retreats and the woman takes up because she's got a great sense of heart for the home and responsibility, she'll rise up and take responsibility, and then she's burdened and he's uh, guilty because he's not doing anything and feels she's taken over. But actually he was, he was responsible, he should have actually initiated and worked these things out. So sometimes there are conflicts come around blurred boundaries and you can fix them easily or the hard way. (laughs) Okay, well, praise the Lord Father. We thank you for what you're teaching us. Help us to learn how to walk in the Spirit, move in the Spirit, keep everything in the light, and to undisempower demons. Help us to learn how to bring your presence in Jesus' name. Amen.